episode 285 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you? Very well, thank you. You, just before you uh, press record, you sort of said in a kind of tired voice, the Yankees <laughs> are one game out of the wild card. Are you, do you, do you have an opinion about this? Do you have a feeling? Like, are you exhausted by the idea? Because uh, you live in New York. You, you read the New York, uh, you read the New York Post, I assume. I assume you go to your little <laughs> bodega every day. Every morning. No, I get it delivered. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm exhausted just because I'm exhausted, not because I'm, I'm not exhausted by the Yankees contending. I'm actually kind of excited about it. I think it's a really fun, fun story. It's not a, it's not a story that I, I wrote about it for our, our lineup card thing a few weeks ago about what I'd be watching in September when we did the, that whole staff thing, because it's uh, it's fun. I mean, it's not it's not a story that I would expect anyone anywhere else in the country to be excited about or to get behind, because I understand that they're the Yankees and and no one is gonna to root for them really under any circumstances. There's no there's no Yankees underdog support movement. Uh, but it's just I don't, it's kind of kind of cool. I think that that they have managed to get this close despite everything that they've gone through. And yes, it's because they're spending way more money than everyone else. So even when they have a bunch of guys making a ton of money on the DL, they still have a ton of guys making a bunch of money still healthy, but still the, the turnover is pretty, pretty incredible. I don't remember uh, when it's supposed to happen, but when uh, I, I do remember that the appeals process for these uh, suspensions is actually it, it goes on a schedule like there is a schedule and it's it's fairly condensed it doesn't go on that long which leads me to think that at some point uh, a rod's appeal would come up and and I like the idea that this would happen like between games four and five of the World Series or something I think like the, that, <laughs> the hearing was scheduled to start on September 30th if I remember right I don't know so that's how perfect. long that would take that's, but yeah that's <laughs> that's Yeah no so it it's usually you know it's not it, the the hearing itself doesn't take long and then I I think that the the arbiter has like uh like either a week or 3 weeks or something like that so that puts us right in the middle of October which means that a ruling would actually happen in the middle of the series and and that's kind of exciting I think that everybody has to root for that <laughs> although like with uh like when Alomar spit in the umpires face as i recall the suspension came down but it wasn't until the next year and so i don't know if there is a precedent for suspending a player in the middle of the postseason Uh i'm sure bud would happily do it with a rod but uh, i don't know i'm not sure there is a precedent for that there 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 might be but i don't know i could i couldn't tell you what it is yeah there's (laughs) there's not a lot of precedent for for a lot of the things that have happened with with a rod this year (laughs) so that would be just the perfect cap to how everything's gone for the last couple months. What's your topic? It actually is Yankees related. Um, I I want to talk about 
Derek Jeter and his final season and how it should be handled. Uh, all right. Uh, his final season. You know when his final <laughs> season is? Uh, no. Okay. Not with not with certainty. I'm I'm assuming that next season will be his final season. All right. Uh, my topic is the Marlins. Um, and I think I'm going to start tonight. Is that okay? Sure. So Jose Fernandez pitched tonight. It was his last uh, last outing of the year. He lowered his ERA to 2.19. He has the second best ERA plus ever for a starting pitcher or really any pitcher of substantial innings uh, at age 20 or younger. Uh, he's a phenom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's been amazing to watch. And uh, just for fun, I will note that... Um, that and and I will I will note this only to to demonstrate how incredibly fast things change. Not because I'm intending to to embarrass anybody, because that's not how this works. But just 18 months ago, in or or so in his preseason top uh, 11 for the Marlins, Kevin Goldstein referred to Fernandez as uh, in a perfect world a number three with the upside maybe of a number two. Mm-hmm. Um, so things change incredibly fast and Jose Fernandez was a great part of baseball this year. Um, so my question though is not specifically about Fernandez, it's about the Marlins and I want to know, um, uh, whether you think that this year, uh, from April 1st on, so, uh, acknowledging that they, you know, had a bananas off season, but from April 1st on, uh, was this year a success <laughs> for them, a, a roaring success or a, uh, an unmitigated failure, or something in the middle. Uh, and just uh, to do a little bit of, uh, I will give you one fact. They're on pace to win 60 games. I don't know if that matters to you or not. Mm-hmm. And and if you, I might know other facts. If you need other facts, I, I might know them. Uh, well, I certainly wouldn't call it a roaring success. Um, they are they are not the worst team in baseball. They're not 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 really that close. To being the, the worst team in baseball, I guess they they're they're gonna finish comfortably ahead of Houston. Um, yeah, about five about five games ahead of Houston. Yeah, uh, but you don't care about that. I mean, right? That's not. No, no. I, I mean, I guess in the sense that they have called up a lot of promising players, and some of those players have played okay. Uh, that's a positive thing. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, that, that sounds really disappointing. I mean, if that's it, if you if if that's where you are, some of the players they've called up have done okay. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying I'm not trying to make a joke of that. I mean, really, like I, I'm trying to imagine what a success because clearly they weren't going to win any sort of significant number of games. So that mm-hmm. you're not we're not going to judge right. them based on how how many wins they get. Um, so what would have what would have constituted a success and what would not have uh, <laughs> in your in your, in your mind and and i if you want i can i i think that i think it probably is a success although i'm, I'm not sure that it is success. i i i've got, I've, been, I've gone back and forth about eight times on this well um there's there's a there's a core right you can see a core there that could potentially more, be yeah, good more before, or less before everyone yeah. is traded a few years down more m- more or less than you could on on March 30th 31st though mm, I'd say probably more mm-hmm. but uh, yeah I, I don't know I don't know that that the expectations are that much 
higher now. I mean, clearly we knew that they acquired some some talent in their fire sale process. So it's not that surprising that that some of it has appeared and and kind of panned out. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, it is kind of hard for me to think of what would have qualified as as a success. Um, just yeah. Well, one thing, for instance, one thing might have been if Jose Fernandez had turned out to be the second best twenty year old pitcher of all sure. time. Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. That alone. Yeah. Sure. That's so that 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 actually did happen. Mm-hmm. So that's like that's one thing that would be a big success and. You know, if uh, if he'd been if he'd had a you know a labrum tear, that would have been a failure. So, mm-hmm. um, or at least a part of a failure. So, like I think the Fernandez thing is is obviously great. I think that Giancarlo Stanton uh, having a a little bit of a uh, regression is bad. It, mm-hmm. I generally speaking, I mean Stanton is l- both less valuable uh, as a trade chip chit chip or chit whichever you prefer uh, now than he was a year ago both because of the wasted year of service time and the fact that you know he wasn't as good this year mm-hmm. um, so uh, in that sense it was a disappointment uh, on the other hand somehow Stanton didn't end up getting walked nearly as much as we thought he would yeah was, I don't know if, I don't know if that's a plus or a minus but he, he didn't have to go through the year that I think some people feared he was going to go through and that some people sort of wondered what that was going to do to his development. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you know, he, he didn't, he got pitched around, but not, it was not a historical pitching around. We were some uh, of those people. We were some of those people and you probably didn't see this. You were probably sleeping or something, but uh, I just tweeted about it an hour ago that he is tied for fourth on the team in intentional walks uh, behind le- team leader, Greg Dobbs <laughs> and uh, number two, Jeff Mathis. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tied for fourth um, with uh, Donovan Solano. Uh, Fun so, fact. And all of those people have fewer plate appearances than him, too. Those three, plus Logan Morrison, who's also tied for second, yeah. all have fewer plate appearances. There's than some, some betting eighth in there, but yeah, even so. There is, yes, there is clearly, but not for Dobbs. Mm-hmm. There's not batting eighth for Dobbs. Uh, so well, you don't want to let Dobbs beat you. No, he's the guy that you identify <laughs> in the yes. team. Yes. So, uh, Jacob Turner... Uh, mm-hmm. Good year by some measures, mm-hmm. kind of a disappointing year by some measures. Uh, yep. You know, good good ERA, held it together. Bad, you know, bad peripherals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan Morrison, a bit of a bounce back year. Looks like a credible major leaguer. Where a year ago, I don't, I don't think I would have said that. And mm-hmm. he also managed to not get uh, anybody, you know, super mad at him this year, <laughs> which is which is not insignificant. I mean, a year a year without getting people super mad at you is uh, that's positive momentum. Aovaldi. Um, yeah, Aovaldi is well. I was going to get to that because basically, if you look at their lineup, uh, their their players, their position players, I would say that one thing that makes this a disappointing year is that they did not really have a single revelation. There is not one player in their lineup, uh, young or old, where you look at him and go, "Oh wow, he's better than we thought he was." You know, like like oh, he turned out to be a you know a, a kind of a pretty good ball player and. Mm-hmm. And and I don't I don't know if the Astros have that, but at various points in the season, I felt that way about various Astros. I don't feel that way about a single member of the Marlins uh, lineup. They, I mean, you know, Yelich is good, but Yelich, we knew Yelich was going to be good, mm-hmm. and everybody else basically sucks and sucks as bad as you thought or worse. And Echavarria mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, th- that's I, I would say that's a pretty troubling line that you have. 
you have there. So there's no real revelations. I feel there. like that's probably what I would have expected for him. Or I mean, maybe not quite that bad, but I I had no no expectations sure. for him. Sure. You just you go into a rebuilding year though, and you've got a you know a wide open roster. You've got a lot of young guys. You expect two or three of them to turn out to be like league average hitters, mm. and I don't think there is any of that on the Marlins. Maybe maybe Marcelo Zuna. Probably Marcelo Zuna, but otherwise, I mean, this is a really, really ugly collection mm-hmm. of of batters, and nobody emerged from it. You ex- you just expect something to, you know, to climb out of the slop and turn into, mm-hmm. you know, into something that can walk, and that just didn't happen. Now, Ivaldi is that, and I would say that that's a success. That that's like the one guy that I feel like kind of emerged, and and you look at it and you go, oh, that's a that's a useful piece that you didn't know they had. And and now you do. Mm-hmm. So so that's I would say that's a success. But here's where I think the big success is. The big success is that their attendance this year is essentially right in line with 2011 and 2010. It's essentially right in line with where the Indians and the A's are right now. <laughs> and that's those are miserable numbers. I mean, yeah. they're there's I think they're going to be probably second lowest in baseball probably this year. But I really thought that they had. S- scorched the earth so bad that they were going to see a complete disappearance of their fan base. I thought that they had I thought they had ruined baseball for Miami for a long time and what they've actually done is just sort of refound their pathetic level mm-hmm. uh which suggests that uh where I had feared that they had uh they had permanently turned most of Miami against him. It is actually revealed that there is a not good, but at least decent portion of Miami that will always be with them. That they there is nothing they can do that will make those one million four hundred four thousand six hundred ninety eight people turn away from them. And to me, that's actually significant. It it gives me some hope that they can at least maintain uh, their pathetic market share going forward and not and not watch it completely whittle it away. No, mm-hmm. uh, whittle away. Uh huh. So that's what I would say it's a success. That between Fernandez and the uh, the attendance being almost credible, uh, I would say a successful season. Okay, I'll buy that. Incredibly low expectations that, that they surpassed, I guess. But, but yeah, sure. Um, would, would you be, if you, if you were a, a young Marlins fan uh, who maybe came of age when they won one of their World Series and and developed some loyalty to them. Do you think that you would go to Marlins games now? No, I don't. But I think if I were 14 or younger, mm-hmm. I would. I, I would. I think if I were 14 or younger, I'd be a Marlins fan going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Is that it? Uh, yeah, okay. pretty much. Okay, so Derek Jeter is is done for the year officially now. Um, we talked earlier in the season when we did that show on on player options uh, about what he would do financially. He has an eight million dollar player option with a three million dollar buyout, and at the time we speculated that maybe he would get around that somehow, go for for some other sort of deal, get a little extra on that. Uh, work out something with the Yankees seems now like probably not probably he will just exercise that option um, you know because there's not there's not much of a case to be made that he 
deserves more than that or has played, you know, with a salary that's that's commensurate with more than that. Uh, there's there certainly wouldn't be a lot of public sympathy, I don't think, if he were to, to try to do that. Um, I, 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 by the way, I, I see some places it's nine point five million, and some places it's eight. More often, I hmm. see nine point five. Oh, okay. I was just looking at Baseball Reference. Um, okay, so yeah, right. Our 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 pal Andy McCullough uh, says it's nine point five. So it's nine point five. Um, so let's just say that he accepts that there were there were there was a hot take from Heyman saying that he should just retire uh, and stuff about his legacy and he doesn't need to prove anything and uh 40 year old shortstops not having much of a a track record of success and and generally i i don't do the so and so should retire thing because i'm i'm perfectly happy to to have people continue to play baseball if that's what they want to do i don't think derek jeter is any in any danger of of damaging his legacy considerably um so say he comes back and he his quotes uh, this night before we started recording um, suggest that, that he will be back or he certainly isn't thinking about retirement and he s- sort of bristled when, when people brought it up. Uh, Cashman said, I have not watched his last game. No one has. Of course, they've both kind of you know said more optimistic things about this season than, than turned out to happen. But say he comes back, he exercises the option, what do the Yankees do with him? I think it's kind of an interesting case, and I think the the obvious parallel would be to Jorge Posada, um, who came into his his final season in 2011. He was 39 that year, and he wanted to catch. He wanted to keep doing what he had always done, and he just got marginalized. Basically, the the team signed Russell Martin. Uh, Posada caught like one game, I think, that entire season. And as the season went on, he played less and less. He became a, a platoon DH and then basically was benched in September and just kind of got, got into a game here and there. Um, batted eighth, batted eighth that one time or ninth. Yeah, there his, was that, his, right. His wife got all mad. Yeah, he, right. He was, he was penciled in ninth and then he, he said he was hurt and needed the day off and Cashman held a, press conference or told reporters that he wasn't hurt during that game and there was there was yeah there was some some discomfort uh some some sort of animosity about that but but overall uh doesn't seem like his his legacy with the team was damaged he's not feuding with the team um maybe there's some hard feelings but but nothing notable came of it really he was just a, a player who was, you know, a Yankees great and beloved by the fans and everything. But basically they got away with just marginalizing him for that last year with, with no real no real consequences. They just kind of stashed him where he could do the less damage or at least damage or where he could help a little bit. So there's kind of a, a parallel here as Jeter enters his age 40 season. You can't go into the season expecting him to play shortstop every day i don't think uh they you you <laughs> completely can you 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 could like it's actually not that unrealistic relative to you know like what we've been saying about Derek Jeter for the last 16 years i mean can you imagine 
1999 saying that he was going to be the starting shortstop in 2012? <laughs> no, uh, but I think, I don't know, I think, I think having experienced this season, I, I, f- I find it unlikely that the Yankees would, would go into 2014 expecting that. I mean, they went into 2013 expecting that and spent the whole season waiting for him to come back and Right. Just it, just because it's it's too hard to replace a shortstop is that it? I mean, if if you if they knew he was going to be healthy for 150 games, do you think that they would hesitate to do it? If they knew he would be healthy and and at least marginally productive offensively, I think they would probably leave him there. Um, well, yeah, I mean, presumably he's going to play regardless. If they sign him, he's playing, right? I mean, there's a there's a scenario where he's not, but basically he's playing. He could have he could have a, probably a 6.30 OPS and his usual defense, and he would still make it to the end of the season playing every day. Yeah, uh, but it seems sort of unlikely that he would be able to play every day, um, or at least uh, it, it's not safe to expect that. So, do you go into the season and and probably? Uh, they're working under the assumption that that A-Rod won't be playing next season, or obviously they'll know one way or another before they have to make any decisions about this. So so let's assume that, that A-Rod is not playing. Maybe his suspension is reduced to just 2014 and he misses the year. Um, and then Teixeira is back and plays first. You, you, could, you could put Jeter at DH, right? And maybe that's what you kind of, maybe that's what you do. Maybe you just pencil him into the DH slot. And uh, I, I, I feel like there, there wouldn't be any. Why not? Yeah. There wouldn't be any. Why not? Why not third, Ben? Why not third? A friend of mine asked me whether I thought there was any chance that that, that would happen. I, I feel like the, the Derek Jeter switching positions ship has sailed. At this point, I yeah, it's a different thing now. I mean, the, Cal Ripken played third for Pete's sake. Yeah, yeah. So third is, third. and that's where that's where shortstops go. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I, I feel like shortstops who are forty and can't even stay on the field, um, maybe they just go straight to DH. I don't know. It's. I, can you really trust him to to play any position in the field and and play and give you a full year there? It seems I do, I don't know I I guess I don't think that playing the field I don't generally think that playing the field significantly increases his injury risk. Maybe mm. you think it does? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, I... it significantly increases the cost of replacing him when he goes down. Like mm-hmm. to me, that's. The significance is not how much more likely it makes him to get hurt as to how much more likely it makes you to be with a total zero when he does. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think the the move would be to just go to him at some point this winter and say, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for all of your fine service. Uh, they did this once before, right? Cashman went to him several years ago over an offseason and and told him that they thought his defense had slipped and he needed to to renew his commitment to that. So maybe this time and he was he was receptive to that and 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 
was okay with it. He wasn't insulted or anything. So say Cashman goes to him again and says, uh, we, we still think you're an important part of the team. We want you playing every day, but you're 40. Uh, the list of, of shortstops who have, who have played a full season at 40 is, is, you know, you can count it on one hand, probably less than all of the fingers on that hand. Um, and given, given how this season has gone, maybe he, maybe he's okay with that. Um, Maybe he's not completely okay with it, but he goes along with it anyway. Because how can he really argue at this point that that the best move for the team would be for for him to be expected to be the everyday shortstop? And then you just sign someone and put him at DH, and hopefully you get something out of him offensively. But if you don't, it's not a big deal. And if he can't play, it's it's not that big a deal either. Um, and there are some shortstops available. I mean, if there's money to spend, you could you could go get Johnny Peralta if you want to. Maybe you can get him on a one-year deal or something coming off the suspension. Uh, Stephen Drew is a free agent. Competent people, nothing exciting, but um, you know, maybe you you pair one of those guys like a a Peralta with with Brendan Ryan as kind of a defensive sub. You bring him back and. And that could be a that could be a decent solution, and and it's uh, it doesn't seem like the sort of thing where the fans would be outraged that that Jeter is being treated this way by the team in his last season. Having seen, uh, I, I think a lot of fans understand that he was not the greatest shortstop when he was healthy, and having seen him struggle this year, uh, I feel like the the support would probably be behind the team. There wouldn't be any people canceling their season tickets in protest. I'll be honest. I, I, I think, I mean, I would have moved, I would have done anything I could to move Jeter off the position, you know, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But if you start with the premise that they were happy to have him there for the last, you know, nine years, um, you know, if, if that's the starting point, uh, I say, just keep him at short. I, I really think that, that, the, you know, the, sure, there's a possibility it turns out disastrous. And again, I mean, I, yes, I would love to have Jeter taken off, you know, off shortstop. But, but you know, my position hasn't changed on that. You're asking me now to, like, pretend that I am changing my position. And I, I just feel like Jeter is the, – the comp for Jeter might be, uh, might be Mariano Rivera, which is, you know, essentially the dude, the dude was elite for a very long time for you. He misses a year for injury. Uh, but he's not 50. He's, you know, he's 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 going to be 40. But you know, that's not an absurdly uh, old age. He was very good last year uh, as a hitter. Um, and you know, I, my I think that with Jeter, you sort of maybe owe it to him to presume that you know he's going to come back at at something close to his his normal level. And uh, you know, there was a lot of I think there were people who doubted whether Rivera was going to be able to come back this year. Um, but you know, I felt kind of like he'd earned that too. And he did, and he came back and he was great. I mean, you know, Jeter's going to be bad at shortstop. There's no doubt about it, but I don't know that he's necessarily going to be any worse than he has been. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess you just sort of gamble and go with it. I mean, the thing about Jeter and the, the Jeter Posada comparison is like, you know, sometimes you hear a fun fact where it's like, uh, this guy leads the league in, in OPS and, and the gap between him and number two is as big as the gap between number two and number 75. Mm -hmm. To me, the gap between Jeter 
and Posada as like Yankee icon or as like writes his own ticket kind of guy mm. is like bigger between him and the next guy as like, you know, the next guy in last place. I mean, Jeter is a whole other universe in kind of Yankee iconography. And so I don't know that the comparison necessarily works. I, I think that uh, it's possible that Jeter takes a demotion real well and that you can marginalize him and bat him eighth and everything goes quietly. But it's also possible that it ends up just being really ugly. And if I were, I don't know, I mean, I guess maybe the Yankees have like an appetite for ugliness that, that I don't have in my life. Maybe they're fine with it. I mean, they seem to have just sort of rolled with the A-Rod stuff in a way that, you know, me as a person who hates conflict and tries to avoid it at all costs, I could never handle. So maybe they'd be fine with pissing Jeter off and having an ugly year and having him, you know, walk out, you know, saying bad things about him and then figure out three years from now we'll, we'll bring him back into the fold and everything will be happy like Bernie Williams. Mm-hmm. I don't know, though. To me, it just feels like, yeah, just give him a shot. Whatever. Uh, I can't go along with you there. I don't I, I don't think... I, it's just... It's so crippling if it doesn't work out. You Because you can't sign Johnny Peralta... Well, unless you want to sign him to play third uh, as, as insurance. Why not? You yeah. don't have a third I mean, baseman. Yeah. You probably should. That's Yeah, okay. So that's not a bad solution. Sign him to play third, and then if, if Jeter can't play, then you can always put him at short and, and pair him with Ryan. Um, so that maybe that's a compromise, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think Jeter deserves the opportunity to, to do whatever he wants. I, it seems to me like the odds were much higher that Rivera would return at an elite level or an effective level, at least, than they are for Jeter, and I feel like I feel like 2013 was the year when when Jeter earned that shot, right? I mean, he like Rivera came off a pretty serious injury that ended his 2012, and was was given a shot to just start on opening day as if nothing had happened. Uh, so I feel like this was the year when you you gave him that because of who he is and now now he doesn't get another shot at that i don't think um interesting interesting use of my own words against (laughs) i don't know that i have a good argument against that what i do have is if and i know defensive stats over 17 games are are basically worthless (laughs) but prorated over the course of the season (laughs) defensive run saved has them at uh minus 49 yes (laughs) which i would believe right i mean like not not because of the small sample or and what that says but like if you asked me what i what i actually thought his true talent was this year on a on a sore ankle with with weak muscles that he couldn't work out because of the ankle at age 39 that's that's, that might be about what (laughs) if he had somehow hobbled out to the position every day that's probably about what i what i think he would have done um. Yeah, UZR forty six over one hundred and fifty uh-huh. games. It would have been, um, uh-huh. and I guess probably similar with our stats. So, uh, okay, yeah. So, so that's that's my position. That you you kind of you don't count on him. You maybe sort of Posada him and hope for for something more than that. But I like the I like the sign of Peralta and your covered either way option. Yeah, it would be more fun if you signed like Michael Young to play third, and then if Cheater failed, you had Michael Young play short. I think that that would be the most fun. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So that's all I have to say about that. Okie doke. See you tomorrow. All right.